I'm going to be talking about repentance and uh, so Mark chapter 1. My wife Beth is uh, out of town right now every every summer. She spends a couple of weeks with the kids in Kentucky and uh, she is beyond close with her mom. Close would not be an accurate word. This is like talk every day on the way when her mom goes to work, when her mom comes home, that type of deal. Her mom is just an incredible lady. Uh, she's a fantastic mother-in-law. And last night, uh, she had an accident and, and busted her kneecap. They shattered her kneecap, and so Beth is there with her. Uh, but the good news, it was a better situation than they anticipated. But I know you'll want to pray for her and be aware of that situation. Next Sunday, I'll be here with you, but we have a special opportunity. Lynn Wheeler is going to be sharing the Word of God. And, and I've, uh, I've been hearing Lynn preach for, for 20 years now, and he has a specific word for our church. He already told me what he's preaching, at, preaching about, uh, something that he feels led, and you are going to enjoy that. So I want you to come expecting God to speak to you personally next Sunday, and I know that we're all going to get the benefit. As David mentioned, I want to lead um, the conference we're putting on for high school seniors. Uh, is coming up in just a couple of weeks, and through the diligent work of Paul Jackson, we finally got confirmed Friday that Dave Ramsey's going to be a part of that. We're going to go to his studio and watch him film a show, and he's going to uh, work with our students. We also have Hazel Reary, the president of Fisk University. We have her confirmed. She was our Secretary of Energy under the Clinton administration. And uh, as I mentioned, maybe you saw my blog, Mark Ezell, CEO of Purity Dairy. We're going to go to Purity Dairy, and we're going to meet with him. So it's just going to be a fantastic week of engaging with uh, these students in not only the spiritual realm, but in the corporate realm, in the, in the arts. Uh, we want to ha have a high-intensive mentoring week. So we're very excited about that. We have uh, intentionally a small group of students. Uh, I believe we have 13 right now that, that have been accepted into the program, but we're sponsoring their expenses. So if you or a corporate sponsor wants to sponsor one of these students, we're still trying to raise some of the funds for that and just talk to me about that or talk to uh, uh, Pastor Doug, our church treasurer. So that's some exciting things that are happening. The book of Mark is a book of action. Uh, it's fast-paced. It's one of the reasons I like the book of Mark because it just gets right into it. If I was writing a gospel, I would have written it like Mark. I would have skipped the genealogies and said, let's just get into the action here. Starting out with the story of John the Baptist, the book of Mark is full of miracles. There's very vivid stories in the book of Mark. It goes from story to story, and you just can't help and read the book of Mark and not be quickened in your spirit and not be uh, just encouraged about Jesus and what he can do in your life. In fact, if you read the book of Mark, you would probably have the desire to see many of the things that happen in Mark happen today or happen in this service. Action, miracles, demonstrations of God's power, the kingdom of God established here on earth. We would read that and we would all say, wouldn't that be incredible for that to happen right now in this church here today? We would all agree about that. And that's why it's so interesting to me that the book of Mark starts off with the subject of repentance. You know, a lot of us want to see God move in this tangible, visible way that we can feel and that we can experience and that we can engage with. But until we realize that a move of God starts 
right here. It doesn't start necessarily from the platform or for a church building or by scheduling a, a certain guest or picking out a certain type of song. It starts right here within us where our hearts are. When we begin to understand the role of repentance and that repentance is what leads us to a great move of God. Well, what does repentance mean? That's a very confusing uh, confusing word. In fact, when you talk about repentance, a lot of us have very negative connotations to that. Because repentance means we're in trouble. We've done something wrong. We are bad. We must repent. We initially, initially have very negative thoughts. In fact, I was early this morning, I was speaking to one of my pastor friends, uh, and he said, what are you preaching on today? And I said, repentance. He went, oh boy. Like it's going to be negative. And I understand that because repentance can be confrontational and it can be in your face, but repentance is such a beautiful thing. Repentance is so beautiful. And I want you to take your bulletin and on the back of the bulletin there's a chance for you to follow an outline that if you choose to will help you organize what we're going to talk about today. Starting in Mark chapter 1, let's read the text and then we'll move forward. Verse 1, it says, the, I'm reading, by the way, out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is a version I've been reading personally this year that I really like for its accuracy and translation and its readability. So I, I just today, I've been usually preach out of NIV, but I just couldn't get away from the Holman Christian Standard Bible today. Verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God. You all remember what the word gospel means? Sometimes we lose, you know, when we think gospel, we think gospel music. Some of you all like that. For me, that can be a negative sometimes because uh, gospel music means music I don't necessarily like. But um, I like Christian music, but I'm talking about, wow, I just got myself in trouble. Let's just move on. Uh, but the word gospel means the good news. The good news. And, and it just gets really muddy. Here we are. In verse 1, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we are about to read good news, positive things, the stories I've already mapped out for you. Verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Four, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. And John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He was preaching... Someone more powerful than I will come after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Well, let's unpack the word repentance because it says, here's the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news of the gospel, and I'm sending someone to you to say, prepare the way, repent. Repentance in its most basic form is, write it down, changing your mind about sin. Repentance is changing your mind without sin. Now that doesn't seem maybe by, like a revolutionary type of description, but it's subtly different from maybe the description that we sometimes 
uh, have adopted and we have owned ourselves. In the Old Testament, repentance was always outward. It's very similar to what happens down the Roman Catholic Church. You sin and you repent by paying a price. There's a penalty. There's a consequence. Consequence. There's something you have to do outwardly to demonstrate that you're sorry. And, and you could argue there's a measure of value to that. I'm not, just, I'm not saying that's always inappropriate. Or there's a certain kind of penance that needs to happen uh, for our own self, for our own benefit, not for God, but for our own benefit. But from a spiritual standpoint, when the New Testament came, and when they used this word repentance, they weren't just talking, the writer here, and John the Baptist when he proclaimed this, was not just talking about uh, the traditional definition of repentance, which is paying some kind of penance or price. He was talking about an inward change of the mind, the inward change of the spirit, changing your mind about a situation. Because here's why that is so important to know. You can change your outward behavior, but not change the way you think. You can make behavioral changes, which ultimately are temporary, when, when they're just on the out, outside. You can make behavioral changes with your mind to appease other people or to not get in trouble. But if you don't change your mind about how you think about a sin, then there really isn't repentance. I love Derek Prince's uh, definition. I believe this is in, in your outline. It says, Repentance is an inner change of mind resulting in an outward turning back. I'm going to read that part again. Repentance is an inner change of mind resulting in an outward turning back or turning around, a 180-degree turn, to face and to move in a completely new direction. That is talking about not just your behavior, though your behavior is the fruit of who you are, but it's talking about your whole body, soul, and spirit, your mind, your spirit, your attitude, your perception, turning around and thinking differently. Repentance is not an emotion. Sometimes we think that, that when we're just emotional, we're repenting. Repentance is not an emotion, it's a decision. It could be an emotional decision, and it can accompany tears, and, and it can be dramatic, but it's a setting of your mind to not live the way you lived before. It's changing your attitude. It's changing your thought process. It's totally turning things around in your life. And it doesn't always have to be something emotional, though it often is. It's a changing of your mind and lining your mind up with the thoughts of God. It's setting the course of your will and saying, I'm going this direction, but now because I repent, I am resetting the course and I'm going a new direction. Well, look at me again, verse 1 through 3. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, and he quotes Isaiah, and I love this phraseology here. Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. And, and look at this phrase at the end of verse 2. Who will prepare your way? Who will prepare your way? I love the way that is stated. God is sending a messenger to prepare your way. God sent John the Baptist to the Jewish people to prepare them for Jesus. If John the Baptist had not come to, come to the Jewish people, then under God's providence and under His plan, they would not be ready to receive the Messiah. 
They would not be ready to receive Jesus Christ. Yet, He is sending a messenger to prepare your way. Write this down, number one. God is preparing you for repentance. God is preparing you for repentance. God is sending to your life messengers and messages that are to turn the course of your life and change the way you think and change your attitude. And God in His providence and His knowledge and His foreknowledge and His sovereign will is creating the atmosphere of your life so that you would walk in repentance and think like God instead of thinking like yourself. He is preparing you. He goes before us. And as He goes before us, He creates the atmosphere of our life so that we can walk in the spirit of repentance. One of the great ways He does that for many of us, not I know it's not for all of us, but it's through our family heritage. Many of you can trace your spiritual heritage to your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. And you understand that God in His foreknowledge, when His grace reached down and He saved someone, and when He reaches down and He saves us, that He's not just thinking of that one soul. He's thinking of generational change. Your faith is preparing the way for repentance in your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. I think about one of my great-grandfathers. Never met him, but he was a disciple of Christ's minister. He was born not far from here in Murray County and, and he preached in West Texas. And he passed the faith on to my grandmother. He passed the faith on to my dad. He prepared the way for me so that I would repent. The voice, the messenger. My question to you is, who is your John the Baptist? Who's your John the Baptist? Who or what is preparing your way? Because all around you, God is opening the doorway of repentance to you. Think about another great-grandmother I had from Iceland. She came over to Iceland, from Iceland to America. She, started the, she was part of starting the first Lutheran church in Dallas, Texas. And her husband didn't go to church. But she passed on the faith. My grandfather passed it to my father who prepared the way for me to walk in peace. God said to Israel in Isaiah, I am sending someone before you to prepare your way. But he's doing the same thing for you and for us. He desires for us to walk in repentance and prepare our hearts. You think about friends in your life. That one person that invited you to a spiritual experience, that youth pastor, that children's pastor, that other pastor who first taught you the Word of God, who first opened their hearts to you, they didn't save you, but they prepared the way. They, cried, they, they just as John the Baptist screamed out, you repent for the kingdom of God is near. So in their own language and in their own way, they did the same for you. The summer before my seventh grade year, I went to a camp in Oklahoma, and there was a college kid that was one of my, my sponsors. His name was Brent Batson. And I could take you today, if it still exists, to the bunk where I sat, and he confronted me about my faith. I'd had a, a legitimate childhood faith experience. But now, as I was emerging into adulthood, he looked me in the face, and he asked me some tough questions. And my life, was never the same after that conversation. 
changed forever. The course of my life changed because Brent, Brent, God used him to prepare the way. Brent didn't save me. He didn't, Jesus saved me. But he was a John the Baptist in my life. See, in your life, all the time, God is preparing you for the coming of Jesus in your life. And it might be, it might be a sermon you hear. It might be a song that you hear. It might be something you read that opens the eyes of your understanding. It might be a special friend who reaches out to you and encourages you. It might be a mentor. I think about what we're doing with Vacation Bible School. And do you understand that everything in your participation in Vacation Bible School, we are preparing the way for someone to repent. We, we, are, we are bringing the question in front of the kids. Every night when we bring them to Wednesday night Bible study, when they're back in the journeys area right now, we're preparing the way for them so that they might repent and they might be able to receive Jesus within them. God's preparing your way. And when I think about that this morning, I just think, God, you're incredible. God, you're incredible. God, you are wise. You're so wise because we are so focused on all of the daily activities that captivate our attention. And we don't even see that God the whole time has gone before us and prepared the way that we would know Jesus Christ deeper and newer. Verse 7. Let's pick up the, the narrative there. Excuse me, not 7, verse 4. And John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. That's an interesting phrase there. He preached repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were flocking to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sin. Write this down. Number two, repentance is the step to forgiveness. Repentance is the step to forgiveness. I think sometimes we have it backwards. We say, God, forgive me, and if you forgive me, then I'll repent. But the truth is, look at verse 4 with me again. It says this, that he came preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. In other words, people were going to have to change their mind about and their attitude about their sin before they even knew they needed his forgiveness. Because if you don't realize what you're doing is sin, why do you need forgiveness? If you don't realize what you're doing is wrong, why do you need to be pardoned? One of the youth groups that I led, um, cell phones were, were starting to emerge and the pastor I worked under just hated the thought of a student having a cell phone on a trip. So he had a rule that if you don't bring your cell phone, and if you get caught, we're going to throw it away. And it was just this big, dramatic deal. And I enforced the rule as, as an employee, even though you know I wasn't necessarily on board, but that's not necessarily the point of the service, uh, this illustration. But it was just a huge deal, is what I'm trying to say. The kid got caught with a cell phone. And wouldn't you know, wouldn't you know that one of my favorite students, someone that was very close to Beth and I, I caught him with a cell phone. So as a dutiful pastor, I felt like I had to, and actually what I heard, I didn't catch her firsthand. I was told she had a cell phone. So after the trip was over, we did an interrogation. 
brought her into the house. And I mean, she was in the hot seat. And I, and, and I can interrogate. And I started interrogating her and, and asking her questions. And eventually she just kind of exploded. Yes, I used my cell phone on the trip. And she cried and Beth cried. And I tried not to cry, but I was upset too. And it was just this really senseless drama, uh, considering there's no telling what else happened on a trip that I didn't know about. But this issue was the cell phone. And so the rule was that if you broke a rule like that, you couldn't go to the mission trip with us a couple weeks later. So I called my pastor. And I'm like, he, he, he thought fondly of this young lady too. And I said, you're not going to believe we got caught with this. And, all, and, and we talked. And he, he said, well, if she shows me repentance, you know, I'm going to consider it for going the trip. So I took her aside and said, listen, listen, this is a bad thing you've done, and, and, and this, and pastor wants to talk to you, and he talked to her, and she cried again, and he said, I heard repentance in her voice. And now, to this day, that whole incident, I call it cell phone gate. I mean, that was just a, it, now we can laugh about it, but this took uh, just a, a tremendous amount of emotional energy over about five days, and, and uh, I, we, we almost laugh about it now. But the interesting thing about that is that I doubt that this young lady and even myself and even Beth really thought that was a bad thing. It, 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 even though it was a rule, we necessarily didn't agree with the rule. So forgiveness in that case, or, or excuse me, repentance in that case was attached to the consequence. She wasn't going to be able to go on the mission trip, so she was going to repent. She was going to repent because she had already put the deposit down. And I think sometimes that's how we look at repentance. We get caught. We get discovered. And we're sorry that we got caught. And we wish we didn't get discovered. And we don't want to suffer the consequences of our of our wrongdoing. So we are emotional, or we do something outwardly so everyone else thinks we repent, but our mind has not changed how we thought about that sin. See, here's the truth. Repentance is not just remorse. Repentance is not just regret. Repentance is not just sorrow when we feel like we've been caught. Though those emotions are valid and we might feel that. Repentance is agreeing with God about how he views our sin. And when we really say, God, I see how, how you view the sin in my life. And I see what your word says. And I sense what your spirit says. And I know that I don't have the peace of the presence of God. You do not like the sin in my life. And because you don't like that sin in my life, I don't like it either. Do, do you, can you see the difference? Not just, I've been caught, and because I caught, I don't want to go to hell, or I don't want to suffer consequences. I'm sorry, God. No, it's this inward change of thinking. I think differently now about what I did. Because what we do is we justify, and we make excuses. And, and, and we, we come up with all of these, these ridiculous descriptions, like, well, that's just my personality bent, or that's just the way I am, or you don't understand how stressed out I was, or you don't understand what they were doing to me, and so I, you know, that justifies that I do that. And it doesn't change the fact that it's sin. And God hates that sin. And God has said that sin separates you from me. So 
taking away all the excuses, taking away all the justification, taking away all the reason that we can think our sin is reasonable, there's a holy God who disagrees with our mindset and disagrees with our thought process. And that's why we need to repent. We need to turn around and change the way we think. Often, sometimes, we try to push repentance on people, especially when we're working with young people. And we'll say things to them like, you know, you know, like, God really does forgive you. You know, God will forgive you of anything. God wants to forgive you. God died so you'd be forgiven. So, so come on, let's, pray, let, let's get forgiveness here. And we want to appease our conscience, but can I tell you that unless there's repentance first, there is no forgiveness. Because there's no need for forgiveness. If you, if you don't agree with God's perspective, then why do you need to repent? But when we say, God, your ways are higher than mine. Your ways are better than mine. You are wiser than me. And your word has said this is sin. Or my conscience bears witness that this doesn't follow the pattern of Scripture. Lord, let me change the way I'm thinking. Let me change my attitude. Let me make a shift within me. You can't impose forgiveness on people unless they repent first. Let's read verse 7. He was preaching, this is John the Baptist, someone more powerful than I will come after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I have baptized you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Here's the last formal point I'm making today is repentance prepares us for the work of Jesus and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's what repentance does. You want to see God move in your life like He's never done before? If you want to see something new and fresh, if you want to see Him move in your family, in your church, in your business, and everything else, then the doorway to that, the doorway to the miracle you're looking for, the doorway to the breakthrough you're looking for, is repentance. Agree with God about your sin. Say, God, I want to please you. I want to walk in line with you. I want to step, be in step with you, God. God, it's not my opinion about the matter. It's your opinion. See, the mind will trick us. And we can always justify our sin. We can always make excuses for what we want to do. But when we stand before a holy God and we really get his thought process, then, and only then, when we repent from our sin, then we'll know that we're thinking the way he wants us to. Here's one of the things about repentance that's so interesting. As I said at the beginning of the message, repentance seems so negative because it means we've got to turn away from things we like. We have to change our mind about things we enjoy. And it has this negative overtone about it. But can I tell you that when you repent, you're not just turning away from something. Because if you're just turning away from something, what is the benefit of that? But when you repent, you're walking this way, you're thinking this way, and you turn around and you change your life where you stand and the presence of Jesus is before you. When you repent, you're not just turning away from your sin, you're turning to the fullness of Jesus. You're turning to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whereas you've been baptized in water and you've been immersed in water and every part of you has been immersed in water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit means you are immersed in His Spirit, and His Spirit's just all over you. You understand that's the supernatural way that every single one of you can live? 
But where does it start? It starts with the spirit of repentance. And I'm believing for that to start in our church. So let me ask you this question. Where are you thinking wrong? Some of you today are just thinking incorrectly. Where are your thoughts not lining up with God's perspective? Well, how does this apply to me today? Because one of the things that happens is that before I give you these messages from me, the message works from God to me. So I ask the Lord, Lord, what areas do I need to repent of? There's a specific area in my life that God God brought to my to my memory or to, to my thought process. I said, Aaron, you're thinking wrong about that. I realize I'm not having God thoughts about this particular area of my life. I'm not thinking correctly. I said, you know what I did? I repented. And in this situation, it wasn't emotional, though it could have been. I'm not saying that's wrong. And it wasn't dramatic. And it was even very individual. I was by myself. But can I tell you that since I've done that, I'm thinking more clearly. I'm seeing more clearly. And my behavior is even changing. Because it is setting my thought and will on the course that God wants to have. Well, in a few minutes today, we're going to have a chance to take communion together as a church. And we're going to be able to have a chance to go before the throne of God and, do, and, and, and be with Him. And as our ushers are going to begin to pass it out, I want you to hold the elements. Don't, don't take them. Unless, you're free to, but if you want to be part of a corporate, hold those with you. If you don't want to take communion, you can let it pass. And Jonathan's going to share a song with you about laying your burdens down. And I believe that a, a spirit of repentance is going to sweep through this church. And today, today, people, God's going to change the way we think. He's going to change our behavior. And we're going to step into a doorway, a new dimension of His blessing. We were in darkness, but you created lights. You brought us redemption through giving up your. 